Welcome, Welcome to Mom Welcome. Cult Podcast after the episode with Jenny Black. I don't, I, I don't have, I don't know what I want to say yet. Okay. So you go, Sarah, if you have, how you doing? I'm just going to be honest. We are recording two podcasts today and I have one funny one and I'm going to, I guess I'll open with my not funny one, which is one of our two dogs is not, well, she's elderly and I don't know, I don't want to bum you out, but then, you know, that's difficult. So I'm thinking about it all the time. And then I don't know, my heart hurts and, um, but it's like about like a childhood dog that I, I think I like shut off to feeling for animals like normal people do when I was really young. Cause I grew up on a farm. She passed away like really quickly. This dog that I had when I was, I think I was like six or seven. And then, and this experience of just our dog Kaya getting older has like uncovered that. And I've never really like invested emotionally in animals in the way that I see other people, especially in our neighborhood. Um, shout out East Nashville. Everybody loves their dogs. And anyway, so that's weird and uncomfortable. That's fun. So how's your week? <laughs> okay, it is, like, I, I will say when I was, I guess a couple of years ago, our dog, who's about the same age as your dog, I mean, we thought he was going to die every week for a few months. It was so terrible. He would he, he would lose function of his back legs. It was the most awful feeling of that day of like, okay, I've got to cancel everything. Do I emergency run him to? Do I sit with him while he's in pain? Do I, I mean, it was so confusing. And I was like, this is the worst. Like in, of all the things I've had to deal with in life, there was no clear way of how to handle it and and then how you're feeling about it it's that it was those are bad days so well, that's and then speaking of it in terms of being a parent i'm like parker has i don't know he's three but through damn it through covid and like he's just seen a lot of like sickness i feel like or not, right. you know and i just today because he's wanting her to get up or something and i say um you know, she's, she's sick or he's pushing her to get up. And mm -hmm. I'm like, well, she can't, she's sick. And I'm like, okay, another thing or person that's sick. And is he that going to give him a complex? I'm literally going to go in and talk about it. Like, what okay. do I need to say to him? To, or actually, maybe you can tell me, Jenny. <laughs> no, it's fine. Is there a word I can use that isn't sick? <laughs> or like, what do I say? Like, not everybody, I talked to him about it. Anyway, I hate this check-in. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so fair. You're not having your best week. Uh, no, I'm no, sorry. it's actually been like a really good week. Otherwise, I mean, it's just like difficult to move. I don't know what. A lot of positive things. Whatever. Can we move on? <laughs> You're fine. How are you? You should be a little more gentle on yourself. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. really, well, really hard days. But, you know, I just want to be really hard days. You and and you are. Um, okay, I'll say something <laughs> really fun. This is really fun. So Ooh. I've had a wild, wild last couple of years. Like really, it was January two years ago that I made a decision. Um, I was just learning all this stuff about fear and how much of my life was oriented around not being afraid or, you know, letting fear sort of guide my life in super, super subtle ways because I'm not like a fearful person. And so I just thought, oh, how fun. I'm going to be really daring and I'm going to ask myself every day. If fear wasn't real, what would I do today? And then I would do that thing. I did it. If fear wasn't real, what would I do? Every single day for two years, I've done this. So it started January of 2021. 
And the jury's still out if this is a good way to live life. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But because of that, I've had a wild, wild couple of years. And throughout the last couple of years, people have asked me, are you writing about this? And I was like, I can't stop to write it. Like it's happening so fast and I'm, I'm living it. There's no time to write it. So I have this old friend and we have been pen pals over the years. She lives in Colorado now. And I was like, I've got to write her. I've got to tell her what's going on in my life. I've been thinking for a while. And I was like, how do I start? Like, how do I start? So I'm starting at the beginning. So I'm actually writing her letters every morning. Like my journal is writing her letters starting at January Mm -hmm. two years ago. And it is like, oh, I mean, I can't even explain what it's doing to me. It is something so different than journaling because I'm really telling her this story and I'm telling her details of the story and things that I think she would want to hear that's making me remember things. And it is both making me realize how much like it's it is the grief process and it's also like and this was so magical so it's almost just exposing like the greatest joys and the greatest griefs just in the process of writing these letters to her so that has just been a joy a joy do you go back like you're starting with two years ago and exactly what happened. How, do you have like a specific amount of time that you write about? Do you jump around? Do you tell her like I mean, it's, whatever it's you really want? fun. Yes. But I, I've found that when I'm writing, I want to, I want her to have a complete story in that letter, but I will finish that story and then I'll say something that's happening in my reality today. And so, so there's like, she's getting like glimpses of my current, like, wait, so what happened? So then how did, how did that work out? Like whatever. So I was like leaving the sort of mystery that she's going to be, you know, piecing together. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it's just really fun. Ugh, is it my turn already? It's your turn. Ugh. I have more questions for her if you want. Sure, go for it. <laughs> what, how do you, I don't know that it would work for me to say like, if fear weren't real, maybe it would, but I almost cried thinking about. Like, I'm just living life fearlessly or is that what you're saying? Uh-huh. I mean, no, you're really scared all the time. That's the thing. Yeah. So it's changing my relationship with fear. Now it's like right there with me all the time. I am, as opposed to I'm doing something to keep it right, at Right, you're bay. exposing yourself to it instead of yeah. trying to keep it away. Which my friend Elizabeth had a, a acting coach that would say, his thing was run towards fear. And then he was like, you just run towards fear. You don't just run towards fear. You run up to fear and you give it a big French kiss. <laughs> you just, and so it really is like that. It's like me and fear where here we are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because the reality is you have a super intimate relationship with fear when it's controlling your life. Mm-hmm. It's just, you're, you're not getting any of the, the fun. <laughs> Right. There's like, there is a lot of fun on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. You're just, you're just living the worst part of it basically. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now, have I done some really stupid things? Yes. Well, who I have. So, but not me before this (laughs) last two years. (laughs) So I have done some things that I, I won't say I regret them because, okay, here's my, I'm going to talk about my daughter. (laughs) Here we go. Hey, Amy, back this to the queue. She's God. She's so brilliant. So, okay, let me see if I can remember the context of this story. We were talking about how she thinks that she is 
too generous with people and like when they're like a toxic or difficult person, she'll keep looking for like, well, but they did this, you know, something good in them. Mm -hmm. And she was saying, she'd tell some story about how she was only mean to me 10 times today or, you know, but she smiled when I got home, you know, and all of her friends were like, why are you hanging out with somebody who is so mean to you, whatever. And she would always find the positive thing. And so we were talking about sort of on the spectrum of what is it when you're always looking for the negative, right? If you're always like, if you pick that one negative thing that you don't like about someone and you let that become the defining thing, that's the other end of the spectrum, right? And so she was saying, I don't know. She was talking about the cost of being a positive person. And I was like, you know, so often we'll take these, and people did this in therapy all the time. They'll take one story, one situation, one relationship and be like, see, in this relationship, I should not have been given them so many chances. I shouldn't have been so positive, whatever. And then we use that to, to change how we are. But I was like, okay, think of your whole life and every relationship that you have. Has it served you better to be a positive person looking for the best that's in people or not? And she was like, without a doubt. So that's how it is with fear. Like to say, if I, let's say I miss out on that thing, there's truly only a couple of things that I'm like, I really should not have done that. That was dangerous. And, but I'm fine. And would I have missed out on everything else that I would have missed out if I'd chosen that other way of living and that was worth it. So, um, (laughs) I really thought this would prompt some more conversation (laughs) to be totally honest. Like I feel like that would take up the whole podcast to talk about that. I don't really, I just have a lot of, I have a lot of thoughts, but I don't really want to be that vulnerable with you people. So (laughs) (laughs) screw you. We should actually have coffee sometime. (laughs) Leave we some more maybe, ratings and maybe. Yeah. Maybe every once in a while we can have a private conversation. Right. <laughs> the two of you. Thing. That's another thing this week. I've just been getting mad at people for no reason. Like, but not people close to me. Like, like a yoga teacher. <laughs> exactly. The one that yells at you about your phone. <laughs> we, were, no. we were playing Secret Hitler last night. My, uh, son, uh, my son is the nicest this. human on the planet. <laughs> You can take that out. She wasn't prepared for Secret Hitler. It's a game now. Okay, let's call it Mafia. (laughs) We were playing Mafia last night. (laughs) Okay, you can cut all this out, but the first time we pulled it out, one of the girls was like, Does everyone here know I'm Jewish? Oh my God. Somebody else was like, are you okay with this? <laughs> this moment. And then somebody else at the table was like, well, we could play mafia or it's just like mafia. And then someone else was like, you know, my great grandfather was killed by someone. <laughs> when did this all become a game? <laughs> this is people's lives. Point being, there was a game we were playing that will remain unnamed for the purposes of this story. And, um, <laughs> sounds weird. <laughs> One of us is going down. Wrong. Un- going down. A game we're not allowed to say the name of. What could it possibly be? <laughs> not afraid. So Brandon is so nice. All he cares about is not making anyone mad at him ever in his whole life. And he I feel like that. his very best friend was playing was at the game last night. And it's a game where you like lie. 
right? That's the only way you win the game is to lie. And so he has to lie to Carter. And Carter is just like, I mean, Carter is so angry, so upset. And Brandon's like having this reaction of like, I'm winning the game. And I'm I'm just getting so mad at me. Is the winner um, Hitler? (laughs) Not last night. The liberals won. Oh, my God. Uh, I really, I really, I don't know what I want my check-in to be other than Penny just started Mother's Day out. And that means I just kind of put this, I feel like pressure sounds like too much of a negative word, but some pressure on myself to come up with some sort of game plan to make a list of some things I would like to accomplish with that free time. Cause I really only have it until summer. Right. Right. So I'm just trying to set up like a schedule for myself. Are you consciously not telling us how it was dropping her off the first oh, day? No, uh, Penny's first day was great. It was a little anxiety dropping her off because there were a lot of children crying and, you know, you're trying to get a read on the vibe. I did not have a bad vibe. Jeremy was on the fence. So how did it feel Penny driving away though? Just, oh, <clears throat> I was fine. I, I mean, I, was it fun? Were you like, whew, I've got this many hours? Like, I think it would have been, but I, I could tell he was being quiet because he wasn't wanting to say anything that would make me defensive about me picking this Mother's Day out in particular. <laughs> anyway, it's fine. She'll be fine. He'll be fine. Everybody's going to be fine. Everybody's going to be fine. I don't care. Everybody's going to be fine. <laughs> yep. All right, Jen, what'd you think about Nico? Wow. that What a story. Mm-hmm. What a story. I loved how you guys were talking about the transitions of life and being your identity changing. And the trans friends that I have in my life and the conversations I've gotten to have with them and the greater conversations that are being had, I think it makes everybody start asking themselves, when did we get so stuck in a very particular identity? When did we get so stuck thinking that we were this one thing or this Mm -hmm. one way? When there's absolutely no evidence of that being the case, when you like look at human history or uh, the lifespan of human development, you know, um, there's a there's a chart. It's a really fun thing to look up if you're feeling super nerdy. Um, <laughs> that is the life cycle of uh, marriage. That it has a it has a life cycle just like a person has a life cycle. The beginning of a life cycle of a marriage is actually leaving your family. That's phase one. The second phase is joining with a friend group. It's called the creating a satellite family. So where you create this basically another family of origin, like the fantasy of like friends, mm-hmm. you know, not <laughs> friends of the show. <laughs> the fantasy y'all have about having friends. I (laughs) fantasize about having a group of friends. It hasn't happened yet, but someday. Um, And so that's phase one and phase two. Phase three is that when you get married, the reason that that second phase is important is because it's easier to leave your friend group than your family of origin. Like the, the, the things that have to be made. Does that make sense? Almost. So it's easier if you go straight from your family to getting married, it's much harder to make the breaks that you need to make with your family emotionally 
and practically in order to be married to someone. Mm. So you've you've sort of broken off, like say, the financial connection or your social dependency on your family. Oh, so you're not married yet when you do the friend group? That's exactly. Okay, that's what I was confused exactly. about. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. The first two phases aren't even – have nothing to do with right. the marriage. Right. Got it. Okay. Then as you like watch this, the whole cycle is about making space – like realize making space and moving with how the other person is changing or how life is changing around you. Mm-hmm. And so in every phase, you're changing – but also life is changing. And then because life is changing, you're changing. And so we have these ideas of if you're with someone that like, oh, like when I'm with people who are like, oh, this person checks all my boxes of like who I'm dating and who I want to marry. And you just like, I just want to laugh really right. hard because it's like today. Right. It, it, today that you're actually have, are you going to have those same boxes mm-hmm. in five years or 10 years? And even if you did, they're, they're going to change. And you want to be with somebody who changes and you want to be with someone who lets you change. So I feel like it's a really, you know, his story, you, you were seeing all of that in a much more plain, obvious way where right. a lot of those identity changes are in such subtle ways mm-hmm. for us. And so I really loved um, following along with that and being able to identify, even though his life looks so different than mine, being like, yep, I remember that feeling. Yep, I remember that feeling. It just has shown up in different ways. Um, can I interject for any unmarried listeners? What should they be looking for if not box checking? Oh, mm, good Sarah, question. that's so good. Finally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, would, I would say Christ. that one, someone who welcomes who you are today, who doesn't say you're everything that I thought, like, oh, good, you do this or you don't do this because, you know, you might. <laughs> but somebody who you love to be with and who likes you in all of the different moods and ways that you are. Because I think probably in the course of probably a month, but definitely a year, you've probably exposed what is going to come out <laughs> in the the rest of your life on some level. Mm-hmm. And you and someone who can enjoy you and wants to be with you in all of those phases. Like, you know, you're in PMS or you had a hard thing happen in your day or you had the best day ever or you're feeling very social or you're not feeling social. So someone who has space to let you be all of who you are and who makes you want to be more of who you are. But then also being the kind of person who can be that for somebody else. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's so much work. That's really, that's to me the hardest part of relationships is realizing, oh, am I prepared to let someone who isn't, um, I, I don't have any guarantees, right? That, oh, if the checking boxes is a way we feel secure and like, okay, good. And so if you're not doing that, you're living in a space of a lot of vulnerability and to, to know who you are well enough that you can handle that other person changing is just got cozy up to that fear ladies. (laughs) Well, you know, we talk about vulnerability a lot and we know that's really important and good. Thanks to Brene Brown. Um, but we would like to separate that from fear. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that's what fear is. I just feel so freaking vulnerable and exposed. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. (laughs) 
So yeah, what you tell me. Yeah, y'all talk about some more things, and then I'll I'll build off of them because y'all got to meet him. Obviously, it was you know Zoom. Zoom yeah. So I I don't know. I feel like the thing that stuck with me the most that he talked about was him feeling left out of mom conversations. And like, if he were overhearing someone sitting right next to him or two moms and just the feeling of like, Oh, I can't, that conversation isn't for me anymore. But it just made me, it made me sad. Well, yeah. One of my friends was saying, I thought that was really profound, really your, your observation of that. And I, I mean, that must have made him feel so, scene because like, wow, that was real, right? That was his life and his story that didn't go away. But I remember one of my friends who's had a daughter who's transitioned and is now a man. And I remember her saying, what do I do with her baby pictures? What do I do with, and then just sitting there like, well, that's still what's like, that doesn't, this, this moment in time doesn't make any of that go away. And I think that, that there's a grief, there's a grief process in that. And it's something to, to pay attention to and to honor, to honor the, the journey, mm -hmm. not just this moment is the right moment. Yeah. What about you, Sarah? Talking to him about this topic, like I have, as long as I can remember being aware of the trans community and having any concept of what that means, have always said you know, gender is a construct and kind of had conversations like that, but I've never felt it, understood it in the way that I feel like I did after that conversation. And I don't know if that makes sense, mm -hmm. but just feeling like we're all the same and I know that we're not, but just like we're all connected. We're not all the same. We're very different, well, but that we're all so connected I do a, a lot of reading of Maslow's like original research that he based the hierarchy of needs on. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he says is that in all the studying that he'd done of humans is that every human has an innate part of them that won't ever change. So speaking of like what changes, what doesn't, there's something that won't ever change. And it is unique to that person. It is equally unique to that person and shared by every other human. And I, I'm just reading that. I was like, huh, we always talk about one or the other of those, but that's what's so amazing about us, right? Is it's this complete unique experience that is also shared with all of humanity. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a much better way to say what I'm, what I'm feeling. Well, I mean, he, putting words to it for sure. He studied it for a long time. All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, really like my heart just, you know, it did that ache thing when he was talking about watching the movie and realizing that his son was an adult and that like, ah, oh, just that feeling of my kid is an adult. And what does that actually mean? And does like, it means something, but does it mean something? And you'll hear parents talk a lot about what does something magically happen on their 18th birthday? Like, when did this get decided? And then you'll you could have the kid who you're like, they might be 18, but they are might actually be 12, right. you know? And so it's a, it's a very, especially now it's a weird time to have adult kids. My, my adult kids are doing great though. Just oh, for, for their, <laughs> just, not that I'm giving an update about them. <laughs> Please don't. 
This is this is women only. <laughs> well, yeah, except for this particular episode. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> I was trying to say not mom. I was trying to think of a word unrelated to children. <laughs> Hey, Hitler, check. Hitler only. Check. Mom Colt, have you washed your car yet in 2023? Better yet, have you vacuumed the back seat of your car in 2023? Um, I don't know if you visited Camel Express before, but they have crazy high-powered vacuums that are stronger than any vacuum I've used in my life. Um, and they're free. For a limited time, Mom Cult member, you can get a best wash that's a $25 value free. You just text Mom Cult to 30400 and you get a free $25 car wash texted to your phone. That's Mom Cult, one word, to 30400. Visit camelexpress.com to find your camel, the one nearest you. Get over there and wash off the ground of 2022 today. Um, I do. Um, so you were asking about what, you know, what did what to do with your kids when they're asking questions about gender, and we've we've talked about this a little bit too when they're asking about sex and so mm-hmm. on. Um, the thing that you have to really, really pay attention to right now is: is my kid asking this question because it's coming from somewhere inside of them? Or is it something they've seen or heard that's coming outside of them? So there is, there's, we've lost, we truly have lost touch. I don't know that we'll maybe ever again in society unless something dramatically changes. We don't really get to see what kids are unpacking. So if you think about when you really, I think that the two of you are of such an age that you can remember when you started getting curious about sex because you were curious about sex. What what do you think would have been like the age if if you if you hadn't you know um, had some sort of external prompt? Mm-hmm. What do you think the age would be that is like okay, this is an appropriate age to be curious about sex, wanting to have sex, or wanting to you know even just what do you what would your guess be? I don't know. My first memories of getting any information, and that wasn't even about sex it was just like the fifth grade girls go in this room boys go in this room we had like watched a video on puberty and like Mm -hmm. I don't remember an age where I learned specifically what sex was so I don't know I do because I'm the one who told you mom was like you've got to tell her (laughs) (laughs) Um, you were pretty young you were like six was that the Disney was that the Epcot uh and Um, I was like it, it's you might as well. I might as well have been a mom. So I'm telling mom, you've got to talk to Joy about this. She's asking lots of questions about this, and she's like, "How well, about so just you, you do know it? when I? Well, I know, but know I totally forgot. I was like, oh, wait, I've known what? you your whole life. I'm sure I know this, but what is the Epcot? What? <laughs> so this is what's so funny, and so this is what amuses me. I'm like 14, so um, I'm like, huh? How am I going to teach my baby sister about sex? <laughs> and I'm, we're at Disney World. And I look around and it's like, well, what do you know? Epcot Center has a whole video on it that our good friend Martin Short took us through, right? I think he was what? the tour guide. <laughs> v Martin Short? <laughs> what was it? it was a movie. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> and like, it's like a formative <laughs> moment. I wonder why I like Martin Short and I'm just attracted to him and I can't separate these two things. I just <laughs> always had this really weird thing about Martin Short. I love that guy. So he's a part he's of not me. what I'm into, but I just want him. <laughs> so one of my friends was telling me yesterday that her mom worked at a department store like like years, you know, like in the 50s. She was 12 years old and she, um, it's her first job and first job at 12. She was at 12. Like, this is like, she's like a great grandparent now. Child labor. Mm-hmm. Check. Check. <laughs> <laughs> it gets better. So she's like trying to be all like grown up and you know, she's, she's the best at her job. And this man comes in, he wants a jock strap. <laughs> And so she takes – she doesn't know what a jog strap is. I mean, she, like, kind of knows. She knows where they are in the store. Whose story is this? <laughs> I, I don't feel like I can tell. Okay. I'll, tell I'll tell you. Okay, okay. Um, I'll tell you later. I didn't get her permission to share this. On it's our mother. It's her it? mom. No, it's not our mom. <laughs> but, gosh, it, this is such a risky story. Um, it'll go down in history as a risky, risky history. Risky history. <laughs> so – the guy's like, where are your jock straps? And she to goes the twelve-year-old girl, 12, right? <laughs> so the 12, but she's trying to be so grown up, and so she sees that it's like S M and L on the thing, and she said, "Do you need short, medium, or long?" <laughs> and he, he looked at her and he said, "Um, it's actually small, medium, or large, and it's about the size of the person around." <laughs> Oh, she yeah, thought he yeah. was really nice. <laughs> so they were the takeaway. <laughs> he was really nice. They always are. She was really embarrassed. That's how they get you in the trunk. Right. It's called grooming. <laughs> then he came back the next day. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sarah's like, I'm gonna have to edit this. Uh-huh. Anyway, anyway, what yeah. about um, Epcot? Um, so anyway, watch this movie. But back to the whole part. It was an amazing movie. It was way better than anything I could have taught. And I was like, yeah, this is perfect. I was like, did you get that joy? You were like, got well, it. I'm not gonna say what you actually said. <laughs> what did I say? Okay, just in case, because it's embarrassing to me. It. I give you proof. I give you permission. I don't know. It just, it's just. So you, I don't even. But here's what's funny. I don't know what you learned or what I said that made you say what you said. Which was? She goes. <laughs> so, I remember you standing there. You're like, six. No. Yeah. Oh, I'm six. You're six. Right. And she's like, so. It just gets really big, and he just shoves it in. <laughs> you, like, move your little body. It's just like, uh-huh. we never talked that about wasn't size. In <laughs> we never talked about that. Hmm. So, so some part of you was like, how? what I've seen would not work in right. this story. So clearly I have some experience <laughs> that I, I still don't remember. Okay. So, but here's, here's the moral of the story is we're not probably ever going to know again when a kid actually needed, like when they needed to learn about sex or when they were curious about their own gender identity, because they are seeing and hearing so much information outside of them. That's making them ask questions way outside of the age appropriate Mm -hmm. development. So I would say the number one thing, if your kid starts this is why I call it media trauma. 
if you're because if we reverse, if we go back 10 years, if your kids started asking about things um, related to gender identity or sex or things out of the phase of development, that and it's, it's still today flagged as what's happened to this kid. Something's happened to this kid, right? Or we or we need to find out. We need to make sure nothing has happened to this kid. So it's maybe not a red flag, it's a yellow flag. And so the conversations that you'd be having with your child are, hey, did you see something that you have questions about? Or your friend's talking about something that you don't understand. And you you would know, oh, okay, something's come from outside of them. And then you get to process it on the level that, that they can. Um, also, it was a huge red flag for abuse, right? More details somebody knew. Well, now, and it's, it's pretty a big conversation in the psychology um, media world, is that almost every child is now saying those things that would be red flags for abuse. So now we have to even do more. The, the assumption that you should make, I would say you'd be pretty safe. It's the, it's the play, the right place to start is that, oh, I, um, so, so say your kid's wondering, you know, am I gay? Am I straight? Am I a girl? Am I a boy? Whatever. If they're having that conversation. I would, the first place to start is, have you been talking about, has somebody else been talking about that? Have you like, where have you learned about that from whatever? So you want to do that pretty much with any issue that your kid brings up that you're, that does something inside right. of you. Process of because, elimination. I mean, like, 95% chance, yes, they saw something that, you know, did something to them. They heard friends talk about something. Somebody else told them about something they saw, whatever. It still can create issues that you need to care for. Like, it doesn't mean, oh, good, no no big issue here. But what when you're talking about someone who is truly dealing with gender identity issues or ready to learn what they need to learn about sex. When that, you will find that out in deeper layers. They will be satisfied with the information if if you're having conversation. Oh, I saw it on this movie. Oh, yeah, I see something, you know, whatever. Be your amazing mom selves. The issues will, they will, these are deep. If If this is a real issue for them, it's going to come up on other levels in mm-hmm. other ways. And that's that's when you need to actually, um, okay, we really need to talk about this and, and about something else. Is this something in you? Mm-hmm. And I think that is probably the hardest job that you guys have as parents now is doing the work to like get to, okay, this really is what my kid's struggling with, right? right? And most of the time, you know, kids are struggling with, like like all of us, who am I and what's my place in the world? A lot of those questions are, I just want to figure out my place in the universe and how I relate to this bigger story that's going on. So that's my two cents or seven, <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> buck 50. <laughs> but just, you know, it's, if, if your kid's really dealing with something, you will know it's not going to be a passing conversation. Yeah. And they, you know, the other thing is they need to know, um, I, I have, I, you know, just having raised kids, a lot of, you know, kids wanting, and and I'm talking about young children wanting to go by a different name. I have such mixed feelings about that because I think really depending on their phase of development, and this is where you 
God, you just have to tune in to your intuition, you know, because there's this part of it that's like, hey, I'll call you whatever you want me to call you. Like, okay, I love you. You're mine. It doesn't matter what you wear today or what name you want to be called. That that is, that's kind of probably where most parents would fall today. You know, just like, okay. But the thing that I think is getting lost in that conversation is there are times that your kids are just looking at you to stay, what is the same? What is the same? And so there's this other part of you being able to be like, you can, you can call yourself whatever you want. You can have everyone else call you this, but I'm going to call you this not because I need you to have this name, but because I can tell right now you need something certain in your life. And I want you to see something unchanging in me. So I do think that we we need to be, obviously, we are ridiculously good at pendulum swings as humans. I mean, we just like want to swing from the rafters. <laughs> like we, It's so hard for us just to find this sweet middle spot. But to pay attention to when your kid needs you to be the stable one who isn't changing, most kids do not want to watch their parents change based on their requests, Mm -hmm. right, or what they're begging for. There is is something in us that needs – even if it's something to fight against, that's okay um, because it it provides something solid. So just don't lose in in the conversations of being what you – want to be for your kid and and wanting to do something different than the generations. Don't lose that the stability and the solidity of a parent figure is really important to kids, even if they don't like it. Even if years later they say, that annoyed me, or that they thought that was wrong and they wanted to do it differently. They had this, they had something to launch off of, Mm -hmm. to launch from. Yeah. It makes me think about Nico, his son, him calling him mom, like that never changing. Like you can tell he needed, that has to say that that staying the same, calling you mom. And then Nico having to be the one to be comfortable, learning how to be comfortable with him calling him mom around other people. Yeah, that's, that, that is, that is, that's the perfect, that's the perfect example. Mom cult. It's an ad. When you need a quick weeknight dinner, look no further than our friends at Mr. Aaron's Goods. You can get 25% off your order on mrerinsgoods.com. They offer free delivery in East Nashville on Saturdays, and you can pick up Monday through Friday at TKO in East Nashville. But what Mr. Aaron's Goods does best is pastas, bagels, homemade baked goods. They have a meat sauce called granny sauce that's like insane, Um, shmias. Get your shmias. I can't. Is that, do we need to, okay, do I need to start over? I'm not sure. Anyway, Miss Aaron's Goods, get them. They're good. M-R-A-A-R-O-N-S-G-O-O-D-S.com. Use code MOMCULT at checkout for 25% off. Locally owned, family operated in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay, well, <laughs> let's see. Are you having, I'll do my favorite things, mm-hmm. even though I'm not positive. But yeah, okay, I'll do this one. Have y'all heard about Mandu? No. Okay. So it's M A N D. Only secret Hitler. But <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to hear about Mandu. Just really weave that into every. So mm-hmm. Mandu is a workout um, place, oh. I guess, is what you could say. I've been doing it for a year, and you 
<laughs> you go into this. It's not a gym. I don't know what to call it. It's a room. And you put on these like workout clothes that like, they have you put on. Mm. And then they spray you down with warm water. Thankfully, <clears throat> it's warm. And then you put on a scuba suit. You put on this vest and these pants <laughs> and that have all these electrodes in it. And then you go to this machine that they connect it to and they turn on. So it's all connected to every muscle, major muscle group in your body. And they start turning it up. Like, have you ever done the TENS machine at like the chiropractor that's like... I've had some version of that, yeah. So they turn it up until you can't, like it's the highest level that you can tolerate. You're being like sort of electrocuted? Yes. So you're Mm -hmm. getting every single Mm -hmm. muscle in your body is being stimulated Mm -hmm. at its highest, which you can tolerate. Mm -hmm. And then you work out. Mm-hmm. So then you're doing like punches and squats and whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, it's 15 minutes, but it's supposed to be six hours of working out <laughs> in 15 minutes. Okay. Six hours. And it's amazing. I ha- I've gained 10 pounds of muscle. Dang. And the time that I've done it. In six hours. In six hours. <laughs> How many times have you done that? Over the, over the year, I've done it anyway, I, probably on an average of twice a month. Cut. How much does this cost? <laughs> it costs. So people um, are not allowed to. Hundred and sixty, like a hundred and forty dollars a month. It's like a subscription. Yeah, you can't pay per class. Yeah, you can. What's it per class? Sixty. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, Sold. try that. Say, I thought I thought it was like crazy Sold for being for $60 super into Sarah <laughs> I thought it was crazy for being into hot yoga. But yeah, no. So it's, it is crazier <laughs> when you feel it. The first one's free, so you get to go experience it, you know, without having to pay. And when you feel it, you're like, I've, I've been back at the gym because the Y has a sauna and a and a steam room, and I'm like, I just want to go sit in that. Mm-hmm. Me too. I love it. Love sweating. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I've been back on weight machines, and I'm like, this is so just bullshit. Not, yeah. I'm just like garbage. Might as well be in preschool again. Mm-hmm. I do feel that way about. I don't really talk about it because I. It's. I think it's um annoying, and I'm so incredibly late to the game. But I'm like maybe I have talked about it on here. I'm not sure. Really like tr- like obsessed with hot yoga. I know. I'm sorry. Oh, I love and, I love hot yoga. But like the sweating now, I like require the sweating, and nothing else feels like that. And I like seek it like in like in a manic way. Not really manic, but just cra- yeah. Anyway, you crave it. I went to some place that's like just hot rooms and did. Like a yoga class, they weren't supposed. I don't know how to explain it. Anyway, I love that. All that to say, I get what you mean. I guess I'll try that. What's it called? Well, I will say, I saw one of my friends yesterday. Had lunch with her. I've known her for uh, like thirty years. I've known her for thirty years, and I was like, "How do you look better than you've ever looked before?" Mondu. Like, she just turned sixty-three. The last time I was with her, I told her about Mondu, and she's been Maybe going it's every Mondu. week. And I just I really like, can't get a good workout unless I'm being okay. electrocuted. <laughs> You should talk nice about him because I'm going to talk to him about sponsoring us. Oh, okay. This I love podcast? <laughs> Nothing so, else. So, this really, is good. right. So, really, y'all should go try it out so we could have a conversation right. about that. Right. And then they'll, we'll send that episode to them. Uh-huh. Okay. Fascinating. So, um, um, yeah, I think my little, if I'm supposed, am I supposed to be the one? So, my little thing to say today is that you. Mother's intuition is a very, very real thing. That is your your truest and ultimate guide to parenting. And just like with your kids, that they're facing all this stuff that you don't really know what's their issue they're dealing with or what they're just processing that they're hearing, the same is true for you. 
you've got all this information coming at you of all these things you should be scared about, or you should be worried about your, and, and fine, go through that, sort through that. But really tune, like tuning into yourself and tuning into your kid is the number one way you're going to know, is this an issue? Is something wrong? What if your intuition differs with your spouse's oh, intuition? That, oh, no, no. Does the mother's intuition. Okay. <laughs> I'm just talking to you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've never t- no one's ever talked about father's intuition. That's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hunter-gatherer um, <clears throat> uh, um, instinct. Yeah. And, and you have to do that work that you have a lot of anxieties and fears about your kids. Everybody does. It's like that's not mother's intuition. And you've got to do the work of deciphering. Yes, of filtering through that. And and you'll know when you're you'll know. You'll know. It's kind of like how do you know when you're in labor? You'll know. Right. Mm-hmm. So trust yourself. Trust yourself, ladies. Trust yourself. <laughs> Let's get back to that mother's intuition. And well, go pick up uh, the board game Secret Hitler at your local <laughs> Target. Great for parties. Sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sarah Parker Massey. You can follow me at, at Sarah Parker Massey on Instagram. And Joy Todd, you can follow her at Tifica on Instagram. And um, like, right? Rate us. Only five stars. If it's less than five, please don't. On <laughs> iTunes uh, podcasts on your podcast app. We'll get this at some point. Can you please write a review? I'd like, we would like that to happen. <laughs> can you do that? Hi. Thank you. Good to see you. (laughs) See you soon.